Hello, we are the Edgy Futurists. I'm Dan Fitzpatrick. I'm Ben Whitaker. And I'm Stephen Hope. The podcast by educators for educators, the Edgy Futurist Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Edge Futures podcast. If you catch your memory back to episode 41, we talked to John Neal about his visit to the Agora School in Roermond in the Netherlands and their innovative style of education. On this episode, we are delighted to be joined by Rob Howland, the manager of Agora. And as the manager, Rob is like the head teacher or the principal. However, this is not a school as we know it. Rob is quoted as saying, we are giving children the opportunity to play because when children are playing with something, they get interested. And then you don't have to teach. You don't have to police them either. There are no year groups at Agora. Students are directing their own learning and teachers are replaced by the mentors. Yeah, the school has been described as a blend of a university where you have knowledge, a Buddhist monastery where you can think, a theme park where you can play and a communal marketplace where you can trade and swap things. And I think uh, I think I'm right in saying if Edufitrius were ever going to build a school, then Rob might have just beat us to it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Rob Hoban. The podcast by educators for educators, the Edufuturist Podcast. Rob, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Well, thank you all. A <laughs> great intro. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are, it's it's strange when people do an intro about you and you and well you immediately think well I have done a little bit of research. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you on the line now from Romond? Is that where you come from? Well, my, my home city is Sittard. Right. From the great football club Fortuna. <laughs> 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 and uh, that's about 30 k's south of uh, Romond and 30 k's north of Maastricht. Ah, okay, yeah. cool. Uh, well, yeah, like I said, it's great to have you on. And uh, we really want to kind of get a good conversation going around Agora, where it come from, uh, how it works, because I think everybody uh, that we know who has heard of Agora is it is amazed, but at the same time always ask, how is it done? How can you do it? Because I think we, the education system in the UK is very, very, very different to, to how you guys do things. So... Could we maybe start a bit about why was it necessary to create Agora? Well, for me, it's um, it's a simple quest um, I've been on for to make to just be uh, absolutely sure. I'm not the founder of Agora. I just got hooked up uh, with it very early, and uh, I before that I had like a 15 year quest in which I was getting paid in education, but realized very very early on that um, education is about teaching and that wasn't working for me as a student you know you're you i was a student who paid attention in class and tried to do his homework and still didn't get everything and then they told me that i should do my homework better you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so uh, uh, education is, is uh, has far more um, things to it than teaching and doing your homework and uh, it's about learning and it should be about learning because that's what you need to do the rest of your life if you want to be successful in life you have to be a successful learner adapt and uh, adapt to change and stuff like that so i was looking for that and uh, experimenting with that a lot in my in my previous jobs as well um and and it was all about the question what could how could we adapt education to learning because well, we, we started the education like 
hundreds of years ago. And I think when we started it, it was really about learning and what do you want to learn and what do you need to learn to function tomorrow. But in the last hundred years, it became some in industrialized average thing for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and we, we were talking about just the exam settings and, and, and just got onto that topic. And I, and I wasn't aware that before exams came about, I think it was with Cambridge University that created the exam setting because people come in and to get your degree or your qualification, you have to sit in a room and answer questions and have a conversation and learn and, and evolve. And then they were just getting too many people that wanted to do that. So they had to create an exam situation where they could get hundreds of people through the same system and test them. And that's like 1791 or something. The, the, <laughs> the strangest thing about that is that the information that you need to um, address to when you are examined, in the rest of your life, you never have to address like it in that way. Address to it in that way. So what are we examining? Are we examining if you are able to make a test or if you can put things into practice that you learned? Yeah. That, that's that's the, uh, the million dollar question, isn't it? You think, uh, like, I reckon if you spoke to, I say this quite a lot, if you spoke to 90% of teachers, they'd say, if you asked them what they wanted, they'd say more time, more money. And then the third option after that would be, we need to do something about exams and about teaching to the test. And uh, I, I, I love um, the research that we've done around Agora. And John, I, I've never heard John get – John gets passionate about lots of things. But when he talks about Agora and when he writes about Agora, he's just um, – this this place is just phenomenal. Um, so I, I don't know if it's – if you, obviously we've done a little bit in the intro. Could you talk to us about how uh, – agora is and what what it's like and how how that it breaks that mold doesn't it, it breaks the mold of uh exam factory and uh it's totally different to that isn't it yeah first of all ben because i don't want to forget to tell you this agora isn't perfect we are trying to work with and in between this the the regular school system and that means a lot of change and adapt to our system for our people as well and we are still developing that system. So uh, um, we want to be perfect for everybody, but we are still practicing it. And we are fortunate enough that we have a lot of students and, and parents who are already believing in us when we are telling them, but we are still practicing it. But with your help, we can really do it and, 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 and get better and better at it. So um, before I tell you what we're doing, the only thing that has really changed in the last five years is that in, in the first year, uh, we were with five people and we were like panicking every two weeks and it took a while to get out of that panic zone. And now, five years later, we are panicking like every three months and we know that it's part of the job and <laughs> that's why we reflect on it and make it better the day after. That, that's the main thing that changed. Um, so, so is Agora perfect school system? Uh, no, but uh, but we're working on it, and and everybody's helping us. Um, and um, um, for John, for instance, who visited us for a couple of days, well, it, it's it's like a big change to what he's used to. And then you see all the good stuff. <laughs> and and me and my colleagues, we are in there every day, and we see also all the things that we still want to address to. So, uh, so, so I wanted to tell you that before we're gonna do a great 
promotional PR talk about Agra and everybody should do it. And stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but that that said, I forgot your question. It was just like, just tell us about Agora, what, what, how how it's different. Okay, well, it's um, first of all, Agora is uh, what we call in the Netherlands secondary education. That means it's twelve up till about eighteen years old, and um, we have to in the, in the Dutch system. If you are a public school, you have to let everybody in. So everybody who comes from primary school, you have to take them into your school if they want to be in your school. Uh, so we we can't select students at all, uh, and that's a good thing, because we think Agra has to be a mix of society, so everybody is welcome. And um, and when they are welcome and when they come in, we just ask them a, a quite easy question: What do you want to make, do, or learn? And whatever the answer is with that individual student, we go from there. So we don't don't. Uh, um, force them to do any courses, follow any or anything, especially in the beginning, because it should be about their passion. If we can start with their passion, then we can go from there and we can make sure that they love learning. And when you love learning, you want to learn far more than you can imagine on that first day. And that's how we spread out the, 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 the things that they want to learn. And, and then the, our job changes because at first we want to have them uh, to be excited about learning and excited about making and doing and experimenting and appreciating the fact that you can fall down hard when you're experimenting and, and, and stuff like that. And then at a certain point they are in the, this learning mode. And what we need to do then as, as, as uh, staff members, I don't like to call them teachers, um, what we need to, uh, need to do then is make sure that they get a holistic view of the world and a holistic view of themselves. So that's the, the, the time that they're also going to study or make things that they thought that they weren't capable of or that they thought they didn't had any interest in at first. And when you have that holistic view of the world and of yourself, then we get into the next phase. Which of all those things are you really, really interested in? Because that, that could be your future. And uh, when you're in, in that moment of time that you really have a nice holistic view about what you could achieve in the world and you have found your passion, well, then we're going to simply translate that backwards to what is your future goal then? Well, I want to be into science or, or whatever. And then we know uh, at what level you need to finish our school and with, with which courses you need to do and stuff like that. That doesn't mean that they are going to do courses, but that's... That's the, that means that they know what they should achieve for mathematics or for science or for biology or for English. And then we're going to work on that and make sure that they go to that next school where they can really achieve their dreams. So that's like four, or six, four to six years of, of a time period of a student, what, what I'm telling you now. Yeah, just from a, from teachers who who will be listening who are more used to, um, I guess the for want of a better word the traditional view in the UK come in uh, do five lessons a day, different subjects, uh, thirty students to a class. Uh, here's the content, write it down, yeah. do something with it. Next class, have a break. Next class, off home, do some homework. That what the what you're discussing, um, and I guess we could probably come on and talk a little bit about: is, is there a national curriculum in the Netherlands? Do you stick to it? All of that. I'm yeah. sure we we'll get onto yeah. that. 
but could we just return almost back to the the motivation, back to the the why? Uh, and I think you you touched on it right at the start of the the podcast. In in that, forget how to teach and and try and remember how we learn. Could you maybe yeah. go into a bit more about how how is your how is the approach of Agora helping students to actually learn? Well, it's all about motivation. Okay. If if you love what you want to learn, then you can learn anything. The difference between people is that some, for some people it might take longer to learn something, but you can learn anything if the motivation is high. So what we want to see for, at first is where is this mo- kid motivated for? Because every kid wants to learn something. There, there aren't any children who don't want to learn. The problem is that they most of the time don't want to learn what we want to learn them. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. So as, as long as we give them, we put them in charge of what do you want, whether you really want to learn um, or make or do, because some kids don't know what they want to learn. Um, well, then we can go from there. And that means that we as, uh, as staff members or teachers or, well, we call them coaches because, well, we don't want to call them teachers. And what we as coaches need to do is then help them to achieve those goals. And that can, um, that can be very various because, well, some, some children, when they are in their zone and in their passion, they're just going to run through it. Other children, they, they need to uh, do some planning or some reading to, to get more info, or they need to find somebody who can give them information. That, those aren't skills every 12-year-old has. I know people which are 60-year-old who don't have all those skills. So what we are looking for is which skill do you have a little bit and which can, uh, which can we make uh, help you grow so you'll be successful with this challenge? So, so for instance, um, I, I use this example a lot. When boys... Since 12-year-old boys, there is always one boy who says, I want to build a skateboard. And we say, well, that's great, but you tell me how to bend wood. And then you can get wood from us to, be- to build a skateboard. So as, as, as I'm, when I'm asking that question, he has to figure out how to bend wood. He could do that by walking outside the school and go to a carpenter. He can do that by turning on YouTube and find a carpenter there. So that, uh, and that depends on what type of kid it is, because some children will love to walk outside the school and find, that, find themselves a carpenter, and other kids just start from YouTube and go from there. So um, that depends on uh, how that kid prefers to learn. And we need to go with that, because if we go with that, he can be the most successful learner. And uh, that kid who walks outside the school and starts walking and walking and can't find the carpenter, well, we have to explain him how the phone book works or how you can find addresses of a carpenter online. Yeah, I think I heard you say, uh, maybe something I read, uh, that you treat everyone unequal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I like that. I like that how everyone's not coming in at the same point. It, it's it's unequal, but in a, in a good way. It's discriminatory, but in a good way. It's that yeah. the fact that you, it's that individualized learning, isn't it? It's uh, it's what I'm. I was just telling you about. If I would send a child who is very shy and uh, and who wants to learn to bend wood, if I would send that kid immediately to a carpenter on the other side of town, 
she will never he or she will never return to the building she will what are they doing with me if i send a kid who is perfectly capable to find information on youtube and start bending wood if i make him look for a carpenter for a day to do a personal visit that kid will tell me what are you doing i already find i can find this in five minutes so so these two children we have to treat them unequal the other one one we have to give the opportunity to go outside school Another one, we should uh, make more difficult assignments. So he has to uh, tell uh, at the, so to get to that point that the, that that boy or girl says, "Well, finally, that carpenter on YouTube isn't enough." You know. Yeah, so, so on that, I love that. That is, it's just class. It's just a, like, just it's mind blowing as a concept. What does that mean in terms of your learning coaches? Because I'm thinking around like staff that I work with. They have to be super flexible, and they have to be super um, uh, adaptable and willing to uh, develop skills and know their students. Like ha- how? <laughs> yeah. Well. We are, to be perfectly honest, we are still figuring that out, of course, because there isn't a school for that. We, we, I get regular teachers in my school, which are regular, which went to a regular teacher's academy, you know. So, um, so what we, at, what we the last, what we started doing the last five years is we started off with with five people who wanted to do this, and I was one of them, and we were all, we all knew that we weren't the perfect people for this and it starts with that because then that would mean that you ask everybody for advice you ask your co-workers for advice you ask your students for advice you will ask the parents for advice everybody who comes to visit you you will ask them for advice and so what we we've done is we made a, an environment in which everybody helps everybody and in which it's totally normal that you sit in with your colleague for like half an hour or an hour a day just to look at how is he doing that? Which questions is he asking? And, and when you do that as a, as a group, then learning comes into an overdrive because you learn so much from each other and you all, all have that same goal. And you all have that big laugh after school because when the kids are out, you know, what you were asking is, totally opposite of what we want to do here but you weren't you were in a total different zone and i couldn't get you out of it you know we have those laughs as well after school and um so so it's and that's the way we we are doing that and of course we uh, also get external uh, people to help us to to change the way we ask questions to children but but the biggest rule for this is and that's a quite easy rule you should use all your knowledge to ask questions not to teach and and that's a very difficult rule as for instance i'm a mathematics teacher from origin and when i'm sitting in and and a kid is working on mathematics i automatically switch to that uh, other well normal rob teacher guy who wants to tell them how to do mathematics. So explain how to do mathematics. But what I, what I need to do is ask the right questions so they start looking for information and start figuring, figuring it out. And, and that's, a, that's a hard job. But when you figure out what those questions are, you can use them with anything. You, you can use those questions with English, with, 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 with a new... With, with, 
I've I've helped children with with uh, learning Spanish. I'm a dyslectic. I can't do anything in another language. But the questions you need to ask children when they are learning are it's it's a universal language over over every subject. That's the strangest thing. And that's what we are discovering. Yeah. And and, and you obviously you talked about the, the students could go out, they can learn from YouTube. It's and and obviously reading the bio, there's no set particular day, but these are parameters in terms of how many hours they have to do or anything like yeah. that. Or is, yeah. Well, and, I have to tell you a little bit about the Dutch system. Yes. Um, yeah. There is um, uh, every Dutch school has to do the Dutch curriculum. The nice thing about the Dutch curriculum is that the government doesn't tell you what you need to do in which uh, time frame. So they just, for us, they just say the national exam. And when children are, um, when you prepare children for the national exams, you have to have done this curriculum with them. But they don't tell you what you need to do in the first year or in the second year or in the third year. So because they don't tell us to do that, we can be very flexible. I can, for instance, I, I can do Pythagoras with one kid in the first year and with the other kid in the last year and then give, and then um, um, sign them in for the same national exams. And no, there aren't a lot of schools in the Netherlands who do that because that's in the way they are structured. But they structure, that those, those structures, that, those are agreements they did made in the school. They aren't forced by the government to do that. And the same thing is with the amount of time you spend on mathematics. There is no law in the Netherlands which says that a kid, a 12-year-old, has to do three lessons of mathematics per week. There is no law like that in the Netherlands. What we have in the Netherlands are two things that are uh, laws about time. One is every student has to have an average about 1,000 uh, hours a year. And the other is physical education has to be uh, I don't know exactly by mind, but I, I, I've, it's about hour and a half, two hours on a weekly basis. So the only course that we have to do by law, a certain amount of time on a weekly basis, is physical education. Keep everybody yeah. moving. Well, that's the most easiest one, is it? Yeah. So, and, and, but as soon as you talk to people which are used to the Dutch system, they think that there are more laws. They think that you have to have a schedule and that you have to have lessons and, and that there is, there's no such thing. What hap what Rob, what happens if, say, a, a student's project doesn't, like, throughout their, their school, and you, you can correct me uh, if I've got this wrong, but if, they, if their project, <laughs> they don't come across Pythagoras. Like, they don't need Pythagoras and what, what they're doing in their project. Yeah, that's, but, but that's, quite easy, on it. that's quite easy to answer your, your question. Yeah, go for um, it. <laughs> of, of course, there is no 12-year-old who, who needs Pythagoras. I don't even know 50-year-olds who need <laughs> Pythagoras. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, I agree but, with you, but what if but, it's... But, no, but now the answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> but my students still have to do it for the national exams, so we yeah. still have to prepare them for it. But uh, by the time they um, go to those national exams, they know their career path. They know which uh, is the next school they want to go to. And they know that if they want to be successful in the, in the next school, they have to do mathematics. And they have to do that in the way the curriculum says. So they also need to do Pythagoras. So in that last year, year and a half, they just 
we just take the whole curriculum of mathematics, uh, um, wipe out what you already done in your challenges, and then there is something left. Right. And for a lot of children, that will be Pythagoras, because we all know that you, <laughs> well. Yeah. And, and then you make a challenge out of that. It's as easy as, as that. It's as easy to explain as that. You make it's it sound easy so easy. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and what, what surprised me most about this is you, you read about it and you hear about it, but nobody talks. It sounds like you're completely changing it. So there's no national curriculum. But actually what you're doing is you're, you're completely changing it, but it still fits the parameters of actually what everybody else thinks a system should look like, but you're still doing it. And that's even more amazing for me. Well, it's a public school. As soon as we're going to tinker on this, I don't get paid. And we can't give children uh, diplomas. So, yeah. No, I, 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 th I, think, I think it's even more interesting that actually they're learning in this way because you speak to teachers and they say, but they need to do this to the exam. They need to write in an exam hall. But actually, your students are still going through that end point, but they're yeah. learning... Learning's learning, and they're learning in the way they want to to absorb the information that actually will see fit and, and prepare them for the future. Yeah, it, it, a lot of people think that we need to prepare children for the future by giving them certain knowledge. And of course, that's partly true. But if we really want to prepare them, we have to make them lifelong learners. And if you have the skills to be a lifelong learner, you also have the skills to get the knowledge for the exam. And that's what we that's what we swapped. You know, that's a. Th this is really refreshing, uh, and maybe like that drink you just have in there. It's really refreshing because when, like Steve says, um, everybody's constrained constrained in some ways. Whether that's time, whether that's they have to pass this exam to be able to go on to the next place, yeah. or um, uh, finances constrained, whatever else. Everybody's constrained. What you're saying is within those constraints, we can be flexible and therefore we can rethink the way that way that we deliver so that students love what they do and therefore learning becomes easier. Is that is, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's easier, what I mean. easier. Easier, easier. And and well, everybody is a great learner as long as we address them um in a way that they have a lot of influence on learning. So, so we think that there are children who don't like to learn. That's, that's bollocks. The things we, that they needed to learn, that made, they, they, those things made sure that they didn't like learning. So, so it doesn't matter if your IQ is 85 or 135. Uh, if we present the, the, the correct stuff to learn, they will all love learning. There is no eighty, nobody with an IQ of eighty-five who doesn't want to learn something. Okay. Yep. And 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 I know you mentioned it, Rob. I'm going to just in terms of the thousand hours. So what? And I know there's no timetable, but does a student select? Is it half terms? Is a can they come in at eleven and leave at three? How do, how does that work? Yeah. And how is how that managed? It, how does the day look like? Is yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, first of all, all my colleagues, we start at 8 o'clock. And between 8 and 9, we talk about students and about what we are uh, what we are doing. So I will be talking about, well, I had this coaching talk yesterday. And 
What this kid is asking, I don't know the answers. And then I ask feedback from my colleagues. And I already told the, the child yesterday that, well, I'm going to talk about it in, tomorrow morning because I need advice from my coworkers. They, they will know that. So uh, after that, my, my the staff does that between eight and nine. And then at nine, the students come in. And uh, they have what we call a day, day start. So that means that they will be in there in a group with their coach. And that group will be... Um, from 12 up until 18, from, from IQ 85 to IQ 140, we, we all messed that up. So what we try to do as a coach group should also be like, like the world, a mix of people. So you get that sit down with your coach group, and that takes about half an hour. And in that half an hour, we, we do a lot of things. Um, for instance, tomorrow it could be about the elections in England. Uh, um, because one of the children heard about it and, and wants to dive into that with the rest of the group. Uh, the day after that, it could, could be folding airplanes and see which, which goes to furthest. Um, uh, um, the, uh, the day after that, one student says, well, we should do something about uh, uh, atmosphere within the group, so I want to do a team-building thing for that half an hour. So that's really diverse. Um, after that half an hour, everybody goes into their own routine because they are working at their own challenges. And that looks, uh, that, that sounds like it's very personal. It is. But what we as coaches also make sure is that they have challenges in which they have to work together with other people because learning is something you can't do on your own. So they have this, uh, in, in, in their Google agenda, they just have their own planning. So, for instance, one kid has in there from from 9.30 to up till 11, building the skateboard. And from uh, half, from 11 to 1, uh, working on my Spanish language uh, skills. And uh, at, um, at 1, we all have the same thing in the, in the agenda, and that would be half hour of silence. Everybody is reading a book then. And it doesn't matter to us what book, but you are reading a book. And we new, new students, for instance, well, they aren't used to that, and um, we just let them bring in a cartoon or something like that, as long as they're learning, uh, reading. And uh, within a couple of weeks, they will uh, stop reading cartoons because they are uh, reading information for their challenges, for instance, or reading a good book because somebody during the day starts talked about a book that everybody should read, and, and, they, and they love that one, you know? Um, and then uh, they stay in uh, till 3 o'clock, so from half past one up until uh, three, they also can work on their own challenges. And then at three, the students leave and staff leaves at uh, 4.30. And um, well, so the, the only two things that are in everybody's agenda is the day start, that half hour in the morning, and that half hour of silence. And all the rest is flexible. It's, but it's not flexible on a daily basis because at least one, once a week, you have a, a talk with your coach, which takes at least an half an hour. And the two of you are um, looking into your agenda. What are you going to do in the next week? Uh, how many hours are you going to spend on it? When are you going to spend that? Why do you want to do this on Monday morning? Why is it better to do this on your personal working space? Why do you want to do this outside school? That, that's what the coaching talk is about. So they are, on a weekly basis, they are reflecting on why are you planning this in this way? Do you need any planning advice? Stuff like that. 
So, I think this comes out of obviously the, the passion students learning about what they're passionate about. Yeah. How does this work if um, maybe students aren't doing what they should be doing? Well, of course, children which are in the age of 12 till 18 are on on a regular basis aren't doing what they should be doing. <laughs> um, but in a in the, in the normal school setting, as long as they are quiet, nobody notices. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> and in our school setting, we notice immediately because they start doing games on their, on their mobile phones or on their Chromebooks. And um, we, observe, uh, we observe that. We, we just, okay, let's see. How long is he going to play on his mobile phone? Because what we also have is we, we have agree, uh, agreed on how many hours are you, um, are you willing to spend on a certain challenge and what is the end result of the challenge. We agreed on that on forehand. So if they play a lot in a week, they can't achieve their own goals, which they really wanted to achieve. And then we have another type of coaching talks. Because I've, I have seen why you're not achieving your goals, but ha- do you know it as well? And what do you want to do about it? I'm not going to tell you what to do about it. What do you want to do about it? So a couple of years ago, for instance, when I was still a coach myself, I, I had this girl which, well, she, she was on her mobile phone like 70% of the day if we, if we didn't do anything about it. So I decided to not do anything about it. Because uh, when we made her planning, she filled it up completely. And um, you can't do all of uh, all the things that are in your planning if you are 70% of the week on your mobile phone. So at the, at the end of the week, she was really disappointed. And I asked her the why question. Why are you disappointed? And she said, well, I didn't finish my goals. And I said, well, I'm not disappointed. I think it's totally logic. <laughs> and, she said, and she said, why? And I said, if you don't know that, we should do this again for next week. And then she looked at me like, what? Aren't you going to tell me to put my phone away? And I didn't say anything. I said, just, what? well, okay, we tried another week. And then two weeks into, two days into that week, she said, well, it's going to be the same thing again. And I asked her again, why? And she said, well, it's because I ha- do too much with my phone. I'm, too, I'm playing too much. And I said, well, that's great because you already know that when we had the previous coaching talk. But now you are daring to address your own mistakes and then that's a great achievement so now we go from there what do you want to do about it and then she said well what i'm going to do is i'm going to put my mobile phone uh, downstairs in my locker uh, for the next for the rest of the week and that will in, in that way i will make sure that i can work on on all the stuff and i thought well that's the worst plan i ever heard she said why and I said, well, I'm, I'm going to totally say, I'm, say let, let's go 10 years forward. You are like 22 or 24, whatever, and you want to live together with your boyfriend. And you're going to buy furniture. And you tell your boyfriend, oh, yeah, and we also need to buy a locker. <laughs> Why? Well, because otherwise I can't learn. That wouldn't you be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she said, yes. So I said, shouldn't we buy a locker or should we help you to work when your phone is in your neighborhood? And she said that last thing. I said, and what, so what we did then is we, we just took her schedule and we allowed her to be on her phone 
uh, like 15 minutes per hour. And we scheduled it in our schedule. So she was working. And then the alarm went off, you know, it's a quarter to 10, you have to get your phone out. And she said to me, but I'm working. And I said, no, no, we scheduled it, do it. So we did that for like one or two days. And then she said, can we please make an order schedule? I said, why? Don't you like on your phone every hour for 15 minutes? And she said, no, I hate it. <laughs> so, so then she, she said, can we do this for every two hours, 15 minutes? I said, of course. Well, within a week, of, a week and a half, she didn't, well, the problem was, well, it wasn't completely gone, of course, because it, you know it yourself. If there is something really cool on your telephone, you have to do it. But it wasn't the problem every hour anymore. So what I, why am I telling you this story? It's, it's because what we normally do as teachers is we solve the problem for now, and we don't solve the problem for long term. So what we do is we tell children, put the phone away. And they put the phone away. So we solve the problem for this hour. But we never learn them the skill to put the phone away. We learn them the skill to listen to us. And we are not around <laughs> up until 18, 80, are we? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That is, that is mind-blowing, mind isn't it? That's a totally different way to doing, like, dealing with a mobile phone issue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but, but listen, I'm, I'm, this is a nice example, you know. It's not as easy as this with every child or with everyone or with everything. And that's, what we, that's why we treat every child with respect unequal because we have to figure it out. And we also have to, uh, um, we also have to accept that, with some children, you figure a problem out within a week or two weeks. And with other ones, it takes far more time. But, as, uh, but if you spend that time, you will have a solution which lasts for a lifetime, you know? Mm. Yeah. I'm just, as you speak there, I'm just one. Uh, yeah. In the UK, we, we have the, we, a lot of push at the minute behind something called a, a knowledge-based curriculum. And, um, yeah, and I'm just thinking, how do we? How have we got to such opposite types of teaching, opposite types of doing school? When we have like almost a motto of of a of quite a famous school in the UK at the moment is just tell them, just tell the kids what they need to learn, just tell them, just tell them. Yeah, That's all you need to do, just yeah. tell them. Um, and I'm just thinking, this is this is completely the opposite. How how have we got to a point? The question is, why do we need to tell them and? For how long are we going to tell them? Yeah. Because if you want to make them lifelong learners, then you have to keep telling them you, you don't grow over it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. As you're speaking, it makes sense. And it's almost... It's, it's, it's about achieving targets with schools. It's in the Netherlands, it's the same. We all think that we need to prepare them for the final exams. So then tell them is a great solution. Hmm. If that is your only concern, prepare them for the exams, then tell them it's a great solution. And I don't care what they do afterwards. Yeah. Because that's what you're saying then as well. And they're not saying that. That's 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 the crux, isn't it? Is that what are we doing this for? And we're doing it for if you've got a a system that's based on league tables and based on exam results and based on people getting funding and people getting grade one outstanding based on that or whatever else that is from a, from an Ofsted or whatever, whatever that's, that's the issue. And I, I know that we've been talking about the new inspection framework in the UK being less focused on results, but yeah. 
Um, performance tables aren't going away anywhere, are they? I've, I've visited like, well, lots of schools in the Netherlands in the last 10, 15 years. And all those uh, uh, managers and school leaders and principals or whatever you call them, they all ask the question, um, how are we going to personalize education? And I tell them all, well, you, you're not going to do it. Or most of them aren't going to do it. And they are not going to do it because they uh, think that personalizing education is something between the teacher and the student. And that's not true. Um, um, it's in the whole system. If you ask your teachers to personalize education and you don't personalize the way you treat your teachers, you can forget about it. If you ask your uh, uh, teachers to uh, don't focus as much on grading and stuff like that, and you still are asking your teachers to give you information about the progress of children by grades, then they will always do more grading. So um, it, it's, it's like a top-down problem we have. because It's like everybody is... In the Netherlands, we have the, the same problem. that as, as long as an inspection isn't asking how are your children growing, but is, is asking what are the grades then what do you think schools are going to do? Are they going to focus on growth or are they going to focus on grades? And they should be focusing on growth. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah. 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 I, I think everybody's just dumbfounded because it's like, how do, we, how, do we, how do we get to that in the UK? You know, you, you, should, you don't need to say UK behind it. It's everywhere. I don't know a lot of places in the world where it isn't like this. I've, 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 I've been in Finland uh, um, the, the last month a couple of two times. And even there, they are, they, they just, in, in, in the beginning of November, they, they had this new law. I don't know exactly. But they, that, already, that also means that schools are going to do more testing in Finland. How did, how did they get to this idea? And everybody's shaking his head in Finland. Like the people I'm talking to, there are, that, that, so it's this strange way in keeping control of a situation. That's that's it, it's easy when you get like numbers and statistics. Then you think you're in control, but it's totally fake. For instance, um, I've been a mathematics teacher, and I, um, I I I was working with students from the age from 12 up until 16, and after 16 they had to go to the next school, and and I was at that school giving a lecture, and there was this guy in the audience. Who that was totally rubbish. I was talking about stuff like that. So I asked him, "What are you, what are you doing here in this school with with children?" And he he said he told me, "I'm I'm um, uh, edu I'm a educator for future cooks and chef chefs for in a kitchen, you know." Yeah. And um, and I asked him, "Okay, I have this kid in my school, and he has. Um, are you also in England? It's also grades up until ten, is it?" Great, great. You did, 11, year 11. Year 11. Oh, you're 11. Well, in the Netherlands, it's one up until 10. No, I don't know the year. I don't mean the years, but if they do an, a test and you give them, a, do you give them ABC or do you give oh, them? Oh, yeah, one, yeah. Uh, one, one to nine. nine. One to nine. One yeah. to nine. Well, in, in the Netherlands, it's one to 10. So I told him, well, I have a boy in my class and he wants to come to your school. I have two boys in my class and they want to come to your school next year because they want to be, they, they want to be trained by you. As as chef cooks, they want to be they want to be a chef in a kitchen, and um, he said, and I said, one of them has an eight, an, an eight 
for mathematics on average, and the other one has a four on mathematics on average. Which one of those do you want? And he immediately said, well, the one with the eight. I said, well, that's, that's quite inconvenient for you because um, what's, what's, he, what's he good at is things like Pythagoras and, and stuff like that. But the one with the four, the only thing he is good at is, um, I don't know the English word, is, um, um, uh, um, well, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, equations. Right, he's good. He's good at equations. He doesn't know shit about Pythagoras, but he's good at <laughs> equations. But you don't want him in your school because he has a four on average on mathematics. So wouldn't that be stupid if you, if you're training chefs and and they come with you come to your school with an eight because they are good at Pythagoras but they don't know anything about equations, and you could have somebody in your kitchen kitchen who knows everything about equations. <laughs> So, so great, a great is it's fake. You don't know anything because of that. And it means that you can pass an exam, doesn't it? That's essentially what it does. It, it, it means, means you can pass an exam. Yeah, but it doesn't say anything about if this kid with that four on average could be become a great cook or whatever. Yeah. So, so it's it's a strange system. It's like the same. We we could also do an IQ test and then send them to the next school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that links nicely into um, the like the whole career angle. A, a big passion of mine is how do we link with employers and how do we get students ready for for the workplace yeah. they're going to go into. And uh, uh, I, I really like something that you said in the past uh, about how you encourage students to make their own connections around the world. So um, I think you you once used uh, I think I listened to a talk on YouTube and you, you you used the example of somebody who wanted to to know about was it. It was at uh, reefs in oh, Australia. The Great Reef. yeah, yeah, and how yeah. he w- how they wanted a biology teacher to teach them about it, and you were like, "What? Yeah. Get on, get on the internet and actually find someone in Australia who who's a professional. You don't want a biology teacher." Um, yeah. I that <laughs> I just love that approach. Uh, is that something that you encourage around the school for students to 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 make their own contacts? Yeah, well, uh, we all know that the most up to date knowledge is not in the school but outside the school. Yeah. <laughs> so we should encourage them to get out there. If you are like me, you've, you've, I, I've been in, in school 20 years ago when I passed my math exams. What do I know about uh, using math in the current society? The people who use math in the current society, you should ask them. So what we try to do is um, get kids to connect with somebody outside the school with every challenge. And, um, and as soon as they connect with them, they also get that career perspective. Yeah. And uh, the, the cool thing is that when we help children to prepare really for the challenge before they start it, so they ha- really have a like, project plan and they made it themselves. And uh, if you are st- um, um, a, bi- an, a biologist at the Great Barrier Reef, uh, uh, diving there every day, and a kid from the Netherlands, which tells you is 12 years old, and he sends you over what he wants to learn from you, nobody can refuse that. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, and nobody will. And that's the same thing for the companies in our city. When one of our children approaches them, they will always let them in. Yeah. But because they know this could be my future employee. 
And if, if, if this kid loves this, we can even help him onto a next challenge and onto a next challenge so he can come into my company more and more and more. And I see that with children. We, we have children which are working in, in companies in the Netherlands. Like, like I have one kid, we, he, he has to travel, what is it? Like, I think 80 up to 100K to go to his job. And he's 16. Wow. But why is he traveling there? He is, in, he is with an inventors club there. They, 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 they are really inventing cool stuff. And he is learning a lot about programming and, and, and building and, and 3D printing and, and everything there. And that's the only And he's doing that for the whole year now, one day a week. He's traveling that distance to be there, learn all that. And, um, and that all started from one simple, small challenge. We have children working with Jonathan Rochelle. He, he was like the head of Google. He's the guy who invented every Google Drive product. They, I, I have children in my school who have his personal phone number. He lives in New York. <laughs> they, I have children who have met uh, um, the CEO of the Hillary Clinton campaign and have her personal number. And we are just from Humont in the Netherlands. Nobody knows where it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, th I think I think it's a massive piece on raising kids' aspirations, getting them excited and motivated. But that piece on aspirations that actually the world is small and and dream big is just I'm just sat here. I'm a big but, talker, and I'm sat here just like, oh my god. Well, the, <laughs> the cool thing is that the, we, as soon as you have internet, you can connect with all these people. When when like if you asked me like 15 years ago, Rob, what what's the use? The internet i would tell you it's it, the, the it is to find knowledge and what i will tell you now is to find people behind the knowledge because they have up-to-date knowledge and that's what the internet is for connect 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 and um when you are doing that you have to be very social because all those people have to get the impression that you will do something with the information which benefits some some somebody else or you, will, you are a person that helps somebody else. And as long as you make that impression to people, people will always help and step up, step up to the plate if you ask them. To be fair, on a, a much smaller scale and less impressive scale, not with, I don't have Hillary Clinton's campaign manager on, <laughs> on speed dial. Um, if it, if, it feels a little bit like um, that's what's happening with, with what we're doing. Just three normal blokes in, in the north of England who are trying to help educators happens to become a podcast that people come and talk to. And, like, apart from Simon Sinek, who said no to us so far, <laughs> because I was really cheeky and asked him uh, 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 through email, most people just said, yeah, 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 of course, we would love to talk about what you're doing, like what you're doing, like you're trying to help other educators, like that you're trying to raise the question. And people are saying, yeah. Um, and it just it freaks us out a little bit, doesn't it, sometimes? that yep. how, how did that happen? Like people are coming to us and asking us if they can be on. Oh, no, we've got these people. I suppose it's the same principle, isn't it? It's that you, if you're trying to do something good um, and trying to help people, pe yeah. people respond to that, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And and this, the, 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 the silly thing about it is that we all think that you have to explain a lot. But... What did you send to me? You sent me like like a, a Twitter message, 15 words or something like that. Yeah. So what if a 14-year-old sends you a proper letter in which they explain what they want for you? 
then then you even hope more you know they they are just lure you in yeah is, is that a hint that i should have wrote you a personalized letter rob uh, <laughs> no because probably i wouldn't read it because it was too long <laughs> <laughs> rob when, when are you coming to open an agora school in newcastle no it's not a, to me to open agora um, <laughs> We, we, are, we aren't selling the Agra schools or whatever. Everybody who wants to learn from us should learn from us and should be able to learn from us. What I'm trying to do at the moment is um, get funding uh, from, well, I don't care from who, um, to help all those people. Because the demand to get the knowledge we have and to work in our way is very high. And I don't want schools paying for that. It should be public information. Uh, but the problem I have is that because I'm a, because we are a public school, uh, we don't have any extra money. So we don't even have to, the time to write down what we are learning. Uh, and, and we have far higher ambitions. We want to share what we know with everybody. So uh, if there is a school in England or whatever which wants to work in the agro way, we, we will help them. And uh, at the moment, that help will be very small because, uh, well, I don't have time and money and stuff like that. I, it's, it's the same thing, you know, money and time. It's, it's the yeah. same thing. Um, so that's why um, we are starting to having ideas to, to start an Agra Foundation or something like that so that people could sponsor us to do this for other schools. Because it, 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 it should be... It should, um, what, what we know should, it, it, it's, it, it should be like Wikipedia, you know. Mm. But I don't have time to write Wiki, the Wikipedia of Agra, and and I'm not a good writer. So if somebody gives me some some money, so I can r- rent a, a good uh, hire a good writer or a good podcast guy or a good filmmaker or whatever, then we will be able to share everything. Mm. It's not a franchise, yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but if there are schools who are saying, "Well, we want to put up some money to learn it," well, okay, we we wouldn't we wouldn't disagree, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at the moment, uh, there are uh, five other schools in the Netherlands which aren't in our school board or anything. They are just in other districts, and they are and they they committed to what we do, and they want to to learn from us. There is one other school in Belgium, and the next year there will be there will be a school in Amsterdam as well, which will be based on on the Agra principles. And I'm, I'm, we are still finding a way how we can help all these schools. Yeah, way, I, Rob, I want to go. I know you've just said I didn't create it. I don't think we've actually. How did this idea start, and, and well, who came up with a way? There were. Uh, uh, within our district, there were three what we call stubborn directors, stubborn managers. And they had this sit down and they said, well, we want to change education, but it's not going fast enough in our schools. So what they did is they, they said, well, what if we give five people the, the challenge to do it? And what should we tell them to do? And they made the small list. They didn't tell us what to do, but they tell, they tell us what they didn't want to see. And in that, li- in that list, it says, don't start about curriculum, don't start about classes and timetables. So just those basic points were in there. And then they said, 
go go from there and we got like a blank canvas to do it and a lot of people say but how do you start a school like that well the the, the funny thing is that we have never started the school uh, agra is part of a school so we um told parents who wanted to send their children to our regular school we told them well they can be in a regular class or in an agra class so choose so we never started an agra school and so never nobody can close the agra school because we're part of the regular school and that helped in the first year and uh, that because if, if you need to start something like this and have to explain to a district or a board that you want to do this that makes it very difficult but because we started it in a school and the director of that school the manager of that school says okay do it uh, that made it easier you know yeah yeah so well, uh, ben, you should turn your mic on yeah ben you, your mic's <laughs> muted can see your lips well, moving, but no sound. That was that was because I was coughing. Oh, I'm so good at this. I'm so good at this is technical technology stuff. Um, the 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 idea of uh, Agora, like I, I'm a bit of a nerd. I did uh, classical civilization and, and Latin uh, at school, um, yeah. and obviously the concept of the marketplace and the place where there's that sharing of uh, trading. I suppose that's a, it. Was a yeah. trade place, wasn't it? Is that is oh. that was it? Was it named that way on purpose? Yeah, it's it's because of that. We we called it Agra because it should be like an old Greek marketplace where you see your first monkey and your first peanut peanut nut and and, and stuff like that, where you are amazed about what you see, where you can show off to other people and amaze them, uh, where you can de uh, debate and interact with others. That's why we called it Agra. Yeah, that's cool. Because that was that was a place where, it, like, the philosophers would yeah. hang as well as the traders and the sellers. And yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. It's cool. That it's cool. Yeah. That. Yeah. Gosh. But, yeah. It's, it, it's, it breaks a chain. I suppose even the word well, the academy, the concept of the academy, and Plato's. Hey, we're getting into philosophy here, boys. A bit of re here, yeah. safe for you. Uh, uh, this whole concept of the academy being a place where. Um, like Plato set up so that there was a place of of sharing and people's talking. That's I suppose that that there's the same kind of mentality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Going like that was based on questions as well, wasn't it? Like when you when you go into that, there weren't there weren't classrooms in in Plato's Academy. There were there's people gathering and asking questions and exploring yeah. those questions. Yeah. 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 So, uh, do you ever wear like a white robe or anything and like grow, grow your beard alone? <laughs> no, not yet. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe that could be your challenge for tomorrow. Yeah. Well, we, I, I see the strangest things in my school. I don't have to do stuff like that. The children will do it. My teachers will do it. And my, the staff will do it. Every. You know, I, I, there are lots of times that I'm walking through the school building and thinking. Who I'm, I'm I'm seeing somebody working with children there, and I, I think, who is that guy? <laughs> and 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 then when I well, I'm not asking anymore because the students they get that many people in in our school because they want to know stuff, you know, and they lure them in that I don't even I don't even know all the people in the building, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Like, obviously, we've been chatting for a while, and we and we are all in this place of thinking, this is. This is amazing. If maybe this is 
not a school of the future, and I know that we don't want to talk around that phrase, but maybe this maybe this just would work. Because if we're acknowledging that the system that that we're working in at the moment isn't necessarily giving us the outcome that we want, what would you um what would your advice be to somebody? Because a lot of our listeners will be won't be people who can necessarily straight away change up a system or go on a picket line and be a, a revolution for change. What what would be an advice for a teacher on the ground or a person in school? Collaborate, 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 collaborate. Find an opportunity to get out of your classroom and work together with your colleague. Because as long as you try to do this on your own with 30 students looking at you, you're going to lose. <laughs> because it's it's like it's it's too I've, I've tried that a lot of I've, I've spent like five to eight years like that and you always feel alone and the children will come into your class and they think well we're going to visit the freak you know and um, and uh, as soon as you start uh, pairing up with other teachers your learning curve will be that much steeper because you're learning from your colleague and you can reflect on what you're doing every day every day not only with students, but also with your coworkers. And then the fun and the magic starts happening. If, if you have those same goals as your coworkers, you will notice that as soon as you observe each other, that you will find like a million things in the other person which conflict with those goals. And, it, and it, <laughs> that's, that's not a problem because um, that's how only other people can see that with you. You can't see that with yourself, you know? So start to collaborate with with somebody. It doesn't matter who uh, who it is. If it's uh, if you are a mathematics teacher and you start collaborating collaborating with an English professor, that, that's no problem, because probably a couple of those kids with Eng- uh, which which are in the English room are bored because they want to do more mathematics, and a couple of kids in the mathematics room are bored because they want to do more English. You know, so so start collaborating and reflecting together on what you are doing. And, and the, 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 what I've told you before, it's, it's not about talking about your knowledge. It's about using your knowledge to ask the right question. And if you are, uh, try to do that, then you need that other colleague to observe if you're really doing that properly, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so don't try to do it on your own. It's, try to do it with multiple people and go from there. Yeah. I think on that note, uh, let's let's bring this to an end i think we we've we've got an incredible journey there um and I'd, i i think regular listeners to this podcast will be like what what are what are steve ben and dan doing they're not they're not jumping in as regularly as they they, they normally do and i think it's because we're all kind of just sat back here um kind of in awe really in all that that this works and it not only that it works but that it feels like common sense it feels like common sense it's uh, not the then, um, it's not the future of education. It's the past. Yeah, it's back to the roots, <laughs> and yeah. that's why everybody recognizes it because that what that's what you are doing with your son or daughter at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't put them to the test, do we? No, <laughs> Rob, Rob. It's been it, it's been absolutely. <laughs> It's been it's been absolutely brilliant. Like uh, I know that this is an episode that I'm going to listen back to multiple times. Probably mute myself so I don't hear my own horrible voice. But it's been it's been amazing. We, we are really grateful to you, and um, we thank you for the the kind of 
I suppose the trail that you're blazing, um, because a lot of people are watching what you're doing, and we're from the other side of the pond and the other side of Europe, but we're watching what you're doing and thinking we can learn from this. So thank you re- so much for coming on the podcast and for what you're doing over there at school. Well, well, you're welcome. Pl- please remember that talking about it is easy. When I'm back at school tomorrow, we have problems as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rob. Okay, Thank you. Great, great guys. Bye. 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 Bye.